Hi, this week on Red Astray, I'm going to be reading the 18th and 19th chapters of the first Keeper of the Lost Cities book by Shannon Messenger. Chapter 18 How's your first session? Dex asked as he handed her a tray and made room for her in the lunch line. Oh, fine, except I was almost electrocuted. She tried to keep the quiver out of her voice, so I kindly stopped the lightning from hitting her, catching it in a tiny, fluted vial at the last possible second. But the hairs on her arms still stood on end, especially since she'd also watched the class assignment, and she caught Sir Connolly making notes about it. Would he be sending them to Bront? That's elementalism for you, Dex said, waiting till... Wait till they make you collect your first tornado. They are not easy to catch. Of course they weren't. Because they were tornadoes. Why do we have to learn to bottle that stuff anyway? Mastering all the elements is one of the steps toward entering the nobility. Why? No idea. Neither of my parents are in the nobility, so I don't know much about it. Right, his parents were a bad match, whatever that meant. Hey, what are you doing here? I thought you had to teach it. I still have to eat, he grumbled, filling his tray with brightly colored foods. The lunch line wound through a series of stalls, like a food court at the mall. None of the food was recognizable, so Sophie grabbed whatever Dex took. Sorry I got detention on your first day. Are you going to be okay without me? Sure. She'd eaten lunch alone her whole life. What was one more day? Except there were no empty tables inside the cafeteria, which took up the whole second floor of the glass pyramid. Sophie scanned the faces, hoping to find Fitz, but all she saw were strangers, most of whom looked away, like they were trying to discourage her from joining them. She was on the verge of panic when a pair of teal eyes caught her attention. Unfortunately, they were set into Bianna's perfect face. Bianna held her gaze and shook her head, barely perceptible, but the message came through loud and clear. Don't even think about sitting here. Sophie ignored the sting of the insult, focusing on the bigger problem. Bianna was sitting next to Fitz. Where was she supposed to go now? Jensing rushed to her side. Hey, my friends and I have a table. It's only guys, and most of them are pretty lame, but you could totally sit with us. She might have hugged him if her hands hadn't been full. Thanks, Jensing. If Jensing's friends weren't or human, they would have been skinny with acne and braces. Since they were elves, they were fairly good-looking, or they could have been if they hadn't slicked their hair into greasy ponytails. They stared at her like they'd never seen a girl up close before. One of them even drooled. Sorry, Jensing mumbled, setting his tray down with a bang. Come on, guys, I said be cool. Sorry, dude, they all said in unison and went right on staring at Sophie. So, <sighs> Jensing sighed. So, how was the E? E? Elementalism? One of the greasy pon- ponytails explained. Dude, you don't know that's what we call it? Of course she doesn't. She's been living with the humans. 
Dunsing explained before she could say anything. He grinned like he'd just done her a huge favor. But she had to fight the urge to crawl under the table. Especially when all his friends leaned back in their chairs and said, Dude. She barely held back her, her sigh. Elementalism was good. I wasn't zapped. Well, duh, the jeweling one volunteered. Your clothes would be all singed and stuff if you were. Jensen rolled his eyes. Anyway, what do you have next? The universe? The name alone sounded daunting. Don't you mean the you? The drooly one asked. With an exaggerated wink, the other guys giggled. Jensen shot them all death looks. That's not what we call it. Stop messing with her. Sorry, dude. They mumbled. Enough with the dude. You guys are killing it. Sorry, dude. Jensing looked ready to explode. Sophie covered her laugh with a cough. Thanks for taking care of her, guys. But I'll take it from here. A girl's voice interrupted. All the greasy ponytails stared and drooled again as a pixie-like girl grabbed Sophie's tray and motioned for her to follow. What are you doing? Sophie hissed. Rescuing you, she whispered, tossing her blonde hair. Not sure what else to do, Sophie muttered a quick goodbye and caught up with the girl. You can pay me back later, she said. Without turning her head, she was extremely petite, and her uniform looked like it spent the night balled up on the floor. But she still looked pretty. Maybe it was the way she twisted some of her hair into tiny braids or her huge ice blue eyes. Sitting with those guys is social suicide, she explained. Jensen's not so bad, Sophie argued. Sure, he was a little over-eager, but he'd come over to rescue her twice already. Yeah, he's fine. But those other guys? She shuddered. My name's Marella. Not Mare, not Ella, no nicknames. She let Sophie to her table and set the tray down next to hers. Most of the people here aren't worth my time, but I figured anyone who got students to hate her in less than a day is my kind of girl. Take a seat. For some reason, Sophie obeyed. Stina hates me? Oh yeah, but you're better off. She's evil. So I keep hearing. She wasn't so sure it was a good idea to have enemies, though. Would Bront use that against her if he found out? Anyways, I saw you over there with the jewelry boys and felt sorry for you, so I thought I'd try making a friend. The way she said it was almost like Sophie should feel honored. You gonna eat or what? Oh, right. Sophie took a small bite of a green puffy ball and felt her lips pucker. It tasted like sour licorice soaked in lemon juice. Do you usually sit by yourself? She asked when she could move her face again. Sometimes I let boys sit with me, but I'm not a fan of girls. Girls are annoying. She, saw, she shot Sophie a warning look, like she was ordering her, ordering her not to be obnoxious. Like, check out Princess Pretty Pants over there. She pointed to Vienna and rolled her eyes. I'd rather hang out with a bunch of goblins. Sophie grinned. She couldn't understand how such a grumpy bat could be related to Alden and Della. Or Fitz. Her brother's cute, though. Morella said, her voice turning dreamy. What I wouldn't give. It took all of Sophie's willpower not to agree. She took another bite of the green ball. Morella smiled when she cringed. Too sour? Way. I guess that's what I get for copying decks.
She took a sip of flushberry juice to wash the taste away. Dex? Strawberry blonde, curly hair, and dimples, right? He's cute. His family's a little... She looped her finger around, the, around her ear. But it's not. that's not really his fault. His parents seemed okay when I met them. Sophie said, defending her friend. The Disneys are nice, but they're odd. I mean, they have triplets. And having triplets is bad? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how it is in the Forbidden Cities. But here we have all our kids at one time. So, one at a time. So, having three at once is weird. My mom says it's because his parents were a bad match. Sophie tensed at the insult. What exactly is a bad match? A couple that was ruled genetically incompatible. It usually means their kids were born for And if you'd met the triplets, you'd believe me. No way those kids would be normal. She shrugged. Even his aunt and uncle are super strange. Grady and Edeline? She nodded. They used to be celebrities. Like, more famous than the Vackers. Who? Morella shot her another warning look. Fitzindiana, their dad's super important. Their whole family is, but Grady was even more important because he has such a rare special ability. Then their daughter died and they freaked out and cut themselves off from everyone. Sophie wasn't sure she liked Marla's tone. There wasn't even a hint of sympathy. You guys really don't understand how hard death is, do you? And you do? She nodded. My grandma died when I was eight and my mom cried for weeks. She'd had to hear every one of her mom's heartbroken thoughts, and there was nothing she could say to make her less sad or bring her grandma back. It was the most helpless she could ever remember feeling. Weird, was all Morella had to say to that. Anyway, Dex seems okay. I know some people think, think he'll end up in exilium, but I doubt it. Ice ran through Sophie's veins at the name. What's Exilium? The school where they send the hopeless cases. It's pretty much a guarantee you'll end up scooping mammoth poop at the sanctuary when you grow up. And that's if you're lucky. Sophie couldn't hide her shudder. She had to do well in her sessions. There was no way she was going to that awful place. She'd do whatever it took. Her afternoon session was the universe. And... It was daunting, as she feared. Every star, every planet, every possible astronomical object, she'd be learning them all. But Sir Astine, a pale blonde elf with soft, whispery voice, said she was a natural. Apparently, he'd never taught a prodigy with a photographic memory strong enough to remember the complex star maps he projected across the walls of the dark planetarium. She had no idea why it was so effortless for her. But she wasn't complaining. At least she had one session she excelled at. She hoped Sir Estienne sent Braun to note about Matt. Every day ended with an hour of study hall on the first floor of the pyramid with the rest of the school. Dex waved her over to a seat he'd saved for her. You survived, he said as she plopped down next to him. So far, she smiled at him as she dug out her universe homework. There you are. Fritz said, approaching their table. His green level four uniform somehow looked better on him than anyone else. Even the cape looked good, especially with the green dragon clip. Why didn't you sit with us at lunch? 
She chose not to tell him about Bianna's hateful glare. Jensen invited me to sit with him, and I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Ah, well, maybe tomorrow then. Oh, and she handed her a folded slip of paper. My dad asked me to give you this. Inside the note were two short sentences with precise letters. The San Diego fires have been extinguished. No reason to worry. Sophie smiled. Her family didn't live there anymore, but it was still a relief that the fires were out. Everything was back to normal. Dex cleared his throat. Oh, sorry, do you guys know each other? She asked, stuffing the note in her satchel. Dex said yes. At the same time, Fitz said no. Awkward. Well, she tr said, trying to fill the silence. This is Dex. Nice to meet you. Right, Dex snorted. What? Nothing, apparently. Fitz frowned. Dex glared. Sophie watched them, trying to make sense of the animosity. I should get started on my homework, Fitz said after a second. He smiled, and her heart did the stupid fluttery thing again. I just wanted to check on you. I'll see you tomorrow. Sure. Oh, and, uh, nice to meet you, Deck. He added with a hasty nod as he walked away. It's Dex, he growled. What is up with you? She whispered. Me? Nice to meet you, Deck. He repeated in an uncanny impersonation of Fitz's precise accent. She fought off her smile. I'm sure that was an innocent mistake. Please, I see him all the time. Not that his royal highness bothers remembering, but he remembers you. Why is that? By the way, and why did he give you a note from his dad? I stayed with his family my first night here, and all of them promised to get back to me about something. It's about my old life. I'm not supposed to talk about it. Figures. What? Nothing. I just hate the uh, family. Everyone thinks they're so cool and talented, but they are totally overrated. Dick, he muttered. Maybe Fitz heard, just heard me wrong. Yeah, right. Listen to you defending him. You're just like all the other girls. You know that? I saw what you did when he smiled at you. You lit up. I did not. Yes, you did. You were beaming. Beaming? Did Sing Fit did Fit see it too? I wasn't beaming, she argued. Dex rolled his eyes. Girls. Nineteen. The whole school had physical education together every Tuesday and Thursday morning, the only session that wasn't one-to-one. -one. Sophie was so nervous, she couldn't even think about breakfast. She'd always been a disaster at anything physical. Her goal was to hide in the back and hope her, her mentor didn't notice her. The locker rooms were outside, sandwiched between a huge field of purple grass and the amphitheater that looked like a domed coliseum. As soon as she set foot through the door, hundreds of girls stopped talking to stare at her. Sophie kept her head down and rushed to what she assumed was her PE locker. Instead, the door led to a personal changing area, complete with a shower and vanity. Her uniform hung from a hook near the door. Blue tunic, black leggings, black sneakers. Finally, something without a cape. She changed fast, swept her hair into a loose ponytail, and emerged into the main room, just as Stina and her minions stalked by like they owned the place. Stina laughed when she spotted her. I give the new girl six months before they ship her off to Exilium. 
she said loudly enough for everyone to hear. The word exilium felt like a slap. Sophie couldn't think of a reply. Morella's voice cut across the room. That's about how long your dad lasted, wasn't it? She walked over and got in Stina's face. Actually, I doubt he even made it that far. You want to come back parents, Reddick? Stina hissed. Morella was so tiny, Stina looked like she could squish her, but she didn't flinch. My family may not be nobility, but at least we're not trying to fool anyone. Unlike some people in this room. Take that back, Stina demanded. I will when it stops being true. Morella dragged Sophie outside and into the amphitheater as Stina shouted idle threats. All the prodigies were grouped by level, and Morella led her the to the crowd of level twos. I'm sorry you had to get in the middle of that, Sophie mumbled. I didn't have to. I wanted to. She tromps around here like she's so special because her mom's an empath for the nobility. Meanwhile, her dad never manifested, and she only has a 50-50 chance of manifesting herself. I can't wait to watch you put her in her place. Wait, I'm going to put her in her place? Me? Of course you. You're the new girl with the mysterious past who probably has all these weird powers. I mean, look at your eyes. Sophie shuffled her feet. Morella's remark hit a little close to the things she was required to keep secret. I'm not special, Morella. Trust me. Whatever. My point is, none of us have been able to take Stina down. Not even pretty... Princess Pretty Pants Bianna, you're the new variable, something no one expected. So you get to end Stina's reign of terror. Everyone's waiting for it. What do you mean, everyone? Sophie was stunned to notice. Several prodigies watching her. They didn't really think she'd change anything, did they? Are you ready for this? Dex interrupted, jumping up and down, getting some impressive height. He grabbed Sophie's shoulders like he wanted to jolt enthusiasm into her. Before she could answer, twelve mentors strode into the room in dark gray capes. Each of the sixth grade levels had two mentors to supervise, one for boys and one for girls. Lady Alexine, the mentor who gave Dex and Stina detention the day before, and Sir Canton who had the muscles of a titan god, informed the level twos they'd be working on channeling. It's about focusing your concentration, Dex explained. Mind over matter. Don't worry, it's super easy. It wasn't. Sophie was supposed to channel the strength of her mind to different parts of her body, jumping to super heights, running at super speeds, crushing things with super strength, but no matter how hard she tried or how much Lady Alexine helped her, she couldn't do anything better than she normally did which was horribly unimpressive. She could imagine the kind of report Bront would get. After several failed attempts, she noticed a few prodigies watching her. Then a few more, and a few more after that, until all the level twos were watching her, and a few of the level threes. She didn't have to read their minds to know what they were thinking. If she had any doubt, it was settled in the locker room. Cena bumped into her on the wall and said, I take it back. She won't last six weeks. This time, no one came to her defense. Too embarrassed to face the cafeteria after P.E., she'd lost her appetite anyway. Sophie used her lunch break to find her next session. Telepathy training required a special room in the level four wing. Her bright blue uniform shone like a spotlight against 
a spotlight was trained on it in the emerald green halls, so she was glad to have found the room before the end of lunch. Sorry, am I too early, Sir Tyragon? She asked as he startled to his feet. He tugged at the edge of his faded black cape. Of course not. But please, just call me Tyragon. I am not a member of the nobility, mentor or no. Um, okay, she agreed, not sure what to say to that. She scanned the room, around green room. Other than two silver chairs, they looked like, that looked like they belonged on a spaceship. The place was bare and unremarkable. She waited for Tyragon to tell her what to do, but he just stood there, studying her superintly, superiorly, like he was searching for something. Uh, should I sit? She finally asked. He shook his head, snapping out of his daze. Actually, I prefer a pro of thought standing up. I think better on my feet. She tensed as, tensed as he moved toward her. The coarse fabric of his cape scraping against the floor. Fitz had told her probing would be part of telepathy training, but the whole concept still freaked her out. Their eyes met as he reached for her forehead, and he must have noticed the fear in them because he hesitated. I know this process is unsettling, Sophie, given your background, but a crucial step to telepathy training is to establish connection between mentor and prodigy. She nodded, forcing herself to hold still as he placed a hand on each of her temples and closed his eyes. The bells chimed at the end of lunch. She counted 87 more seconds before his eyes popped open and a wrinkle puckered his brow. I take it you couldn't hear anything either, she mumbled. If, I wa if you weren't so obviously alive, I would assume I was probing a dead mind. Well, there was a cheerful thought. She scraped together the courage to ask her next question. Does that mean there's something wrong with me? He frowned like his mind had wandered somewhere else again. I have no doubt you are exactly the way you were intended to be. She'd heard people use that expression before, and it was usually reassuring, but the way he said it made the hairs on her arms stick up, especially when she noticed the way his hands had started shaking. Can you tell me what I'm thinking right now? He asked quietly. She stretched out her consciousness, feeling for his thoughts. You're wondering how to train me if you can't probe my mind? All color drained from his face, and he turned away steadying himself against one of the chairs. In that case, I suggest we have a seat. We need to have a very long talk about ethics. Grady was outside when Sophie leaped home to a haven field, holding a thick cord that floated up into the sky, appeared to be attached to nothing. She squinted at the clouds and then at Grady. Um, what are you doing? Giving the Meganora some exercise? She didn't want to annoy him, so she decided not to ask what it was. Grady fidgeted and glanced over at her out of the corner of his eye as she stood in the silence. How was your second day? He eventually asked. Fine. Just fine. He cocked his head and gave her a look like she could see, like he could see right through her. Want to talk about it? He seemed so much like her human dad at that moment. It felt like her heart dropped into her stomach. Well, loud buzzing cut her off. Step back, Grady locked his legs as something big and green with iridescent wings circled above and dived straight down. Sophie screamed and jumped out of the way the second before the vulture-sized insect landed where she'd been standing. 
Don't tell me you're afraid of dragonflies, Grody said as he patted the freaky-looking bug on the back. I don't mind them when they're normal size. Blown up to gargantuan proportions was the was a whole other story. The eyes were pretty much the creepiest thing she'd ever seen. Like disco balls on the sides of its head. This is the normal size for a Meganora. Well, this one's a baby. He'll probably get twice the size when he's full grown. She shuddered. Grady cracked up and motioned for her to follow him as he steered the monster insect into its enclosure. So, what were you going to say? Nothing, really. I'm awful, uh, physics ed, and telepathy was intense. I'm guessing Tyrgon gave you the ethics lecture? She nodded. Being a telepath had serious restrictions. She wasn't supposed to block her thoughts, especially from the elven authorities, which was a problem, considering she didn't know how she was doing it, much less how to turn it off. She also wasn't supposed to read minds unless someone gave her permission, just like Fitz had told her, not unless it was an emergency, or she was on an assignment from the council. That was the weirdest part. Telepaths were in high demand. Once she had proven trustworthy, she'd receive assignments from the council, but Tyrion warned her that her impenetrable mind would make it hard for anyone to trust her. She could hide something too easily, which made her wonder why Quinlan's joke about being keeper. The council didn't think she was hiding something, did they? Wait, she said as Grady's words clicked. Are you a telepath? No, why would you think that? How else would you know about the ethics lecture? Everyone gets lectured on ethics when it comes to their talent. Manifesting a special ability comes with great responsibility. Not everyone gets one, you know. She did know. She'd already learned that having special abilities was a big deal. In fact, while she was in her telepathy sections, Dex and all the other prodigies who hadn't manifested were taking ability detecting, hoping to discover his talent. If a prodigy had manifested by level 4, they might be expelled, and even if they stayed at Foxfire, they couldn't take the elite levels, which meant they would never be nobility. Most ended up working class. But once again, it didn't escape her notice that Grady avoided telling her what his special ability was. It, could be, it couldn't be something bad, could it?